Let's open our Bibles to the book of Job this morning. Book of Job. It's already been good to be here, amen. From the choir special to open up, right up till the preaching time now, I believe the Spirit of God has had liberty in this place, and that's what we want, because He's the only one who can help us. Thank you, sweetie. And uh, But you're in the right place. Amen. You're in a place... You say, why is this the right place? Because this is a place where God's word is going to be preached and where God's word is believed. Sad to say, but many churches call themselves churches around this nation, around the world. Um, They do not even believe that the Bible is the word of God. Can you imagine going to a church where they didn't believe that the Bible was the word of God and the Bible was the final authority in our lives? There's so much, you know, in this world is, well, who can you trust? And, uh, you know, all the news networks, they want you to trust them. But we know better, don't we? You can trust CNN, and you can trust Fox News, and you can trust... You know what? There is only one source of truth in this world that you can trust implicitly, completely, and that's the Word of God. And uh, you say, why is the Word of God trustworthy? Because the God who gave it to us is trustworthy. And uh, I thank God for His Word, and that's what we're going to look into this morning. Job chapter 9, the ninth chapter of Job, and I'll invite you to stand with me. We're just going to read the first two verses of the chapter and uh, get our text, but we will be preaching from this, uh, from this chapter this morning, Job chapter 9, and I'll read aloud and you can follow along in your Bible. Job chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? How should man be just with God? I want to answer this question with the Word of God this morning. And, uh, and I'm calling the title of this message, I'm calling this message, The Gospel According to Job. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you, God, for your blessings on us. God, we do come before you, needy people. And Father, you've ministered to our hearts already through the music and through the fellowship. And uh, Father, now we turn our attention to your word and the preaching of your word. We know that you've chosen to manifest your son in these last days through the preaching of the word of God. And so God, I'm thankful to be in a place where the preaching, a premium premium is set upon the preaching of your word. And Father, I pray that you would now, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, what I have to say isn't that important, but Lord, what you have to say is is of utmost and eternal importance. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to hear what you have to say to us today. Father, my real burden uh, this morning, my strongest burden, is for anyone in this building who is unsaved. God, they're not sure where they're going to spend eternity. 
Or maybe they, they're standing here today and they know that they're not ready to die. They're not ready for eternity. But Lord, we know that this life is so fragile. Uh, Lord, it, it, it passes as, as we read in this book of Job. Uh, the days of man are like a weaver's shuttle. They just go by so quickly. We understand that there's an appointment that we all have with death, and none of us really know when that appointment's going to take place. But we do know that after this is the judgment. And God, our chief concern this morning is that, there, that everyone in this place would be ready for eternity. And Lord, the question that Job is asking in our text this morning is really the question of eternity. How should a man be just with God? And Lord, give us understanding now as we look into this. Father, draw that one that's unsaved and speak to their hearts. Help them to know that Christ is the answer. And Lord, I pray that as believers, Lord, that we would be encouraged by your word this morning and helped and strengthened and revived in the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When Job asked this question, how should a man be just with God? He said, what does that mean? What does it mean when he asks, how can a man be just with God? Well, the word just in this, uh, in this uh, usage, in this, in this context, means to be innocent. It means to be blameless. It means to be without guilt. Now, let me give you a little background to the story in Job. Turn with me back in chapter 1 of Job. If you're not familiar with Job, I want to introduce you to someone who really is probably one of the greatest men that's ever lived. When you think about Job, I know we think about his troubles. If you're at all familiar with Job, you understand that he went through a lot of trials, a lot of hardship. But uh, I want you to understand what kind of man Job was. In, in chapter 1 of Job, in verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. So what does that mean? Well, it means that Job was one of the good guys. We say this, I mean, when you looked at Job... Uh, his testimony, what people knew about Job, is he was perfect. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't have any sin, because we know that we're all sinners. The Bible says that clearly, and we'll see that in just a little while, uh, that passage. But when he uses the word perfect, what he's talking about is Job was very, he was a well-rounded individual. Amen? Uh, he, uh, and I'm not talking about rounded like this. Amen? He was... He was a good guy. He had great character. He was upright. That means he wasn't crooked in his dealings. He was a man of character. He was a man of goodness. He feared God. He believed in God, and he had a fear of God, which the Bible says is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to get wise, start by fearing God. Amen? And, the, and it says he eschewed evil. That means he hated evil. He loved God and he hated evil. Job was a good man. We would call him a very good man uh, in our eyes. And, uh, and, and we, if you're at all familiar with the story, you know what takes place. Satan comes to appear before the Lord. And, and the Lord brings up Job in verse 6, or verse 8 rather. He says, Hast thou considered my servant Job? 
that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. He said, hey, Satan, have you considered my, my servant Job? He's a good guy. As a matter of fact, according to God's testimony here, nobody was like him. He, ha he was in a league of his own, we would say. And, and so thus begins the, the trial of Job. Job will end up losing his, uh, his, his uh, business. Uh, he had a bunch of camels. He said, why was a man need that much camels? Job was a trucker, amen? He was in the trucking business. He had all these camels for transportation, and he had all these sheep. He was a very rich man, and we read about that. Or you, you can read about it in verse number 3. His substance, he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, a very great household. So this, this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. He was not only a good man morally, but he was a rich man. He had all of these possessions. And, and, and Satan basically told, told the Lord, the reason why Job is serving you is because he has it so good. But you let me take these things away from him and then see what Job says. Then see how Job lives. And the Lord gives Satan the, the ability to touch the things in Job's life. He loses his business. He loses his wealth. He loses his children. He had 10 children. I have 11 children. He had 10 children, and they were gone in a moment of time. Killed in a whirlwind. And Job loses all of these things, and so it sends, really, it sends Job in this tailspin. Because when bad things happen to us, we're inclined to think, okay, either God's mad at me for some reason, or God is not as good as I thought he was. Now we can sit here in judgment of Job, but I can say, as bad as your problems have been, they haven't been as bad as Job's were. Well, how do you know, preacher? I know. If you read down through here, what he went through really is, is unmatched in, in, the, in the Scripture except for what Jesus Christ went through. And so Job goes through all of these things, and, and, and when you're going through hard times, there's questions that start coming up in your mind. And that's not a bad thing. I believe many times God allows hardships in our lives to get our attention. Amen? But Job is asking all these questions. He has three friends who come to see him. And I use the word friend loosely. Amen? They come to see him. They sit with him for seven days and don't say anything. And he's comforted by them when they don't speak. But as soon as they open up their mouths, the comfort's gone. And they end up adding grief to Job's uh, hurt already. But in the course of their conversation, Job has this question. He says, how should a man be just with God? In other words, what I'm going through, is there a fault in my life? Is there something in my life? And 
And it really brought to the forefront in Job's mind, how is my standing with God? How is our relationship right now? And how should a man be just with God? In the eyes of God, how could man be innocent? How could man be, uh, how could man be blameless? How could man be without guilt? Now, you know what you're going to say? Well, it's impossible. Well, let's look at the scripture, okay? In Job chapter 9, because this question is of utmost importance. How should a man be just with God? How can I be innocent? How can I be blameless? How can I be without guilt before God? This topic of being just is mentioned 17 times in the book of Job. It's a big deal. It was a big deal in Job's life, and it's a big deal in your life. Because Job's not just asking how he could be just before God. He's asking how mankind could be just before God. Now, Job is going to go down through this chapter, and we're going to look at it uh, very quickly. He's going to go down through this chapter, and he's going to present some, some uh, possibilities of how man can be just with God. The first thing he's going to talk about in verse number 3, it says, If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered. You know what Job is saying? How can I stand before God? I can't stand before God by my own strength. You know, as strong as you think you are, you are no match for God. Amen. He says, who can contend with him? One of a thousand. You know, I get in my mind, I like to make things simple because I'm a simple-minded guy. And so I think of an arm wrestling match. Now, I stink at arm wrestling. Amen. You can tell the biggest thing on me is not my arms. But he's talking about if we, if we had a, a, a contention, if we had a competition a thousand times, and I, and I arm wrestle with God a thousand times, how many am I going to win? You're not going to win one time. You know why? Because your strength does not contend or cannot match up with God's strength. Well, you don't know me, preacher. I'm a pretty good guy. I don't think you're as good as Job was. Amen. Now, you can take offense to that if you want to. But until you have God's witness that you're perfect and upright and you fear God and you eschew evil, I'm going to go with Job. Amen. I'm not as good as a man as Job is or was. You know what he's saying? Your strength. You cannot be just with God by your strength or by your ability. You're not going to stand before God one day. I've, I've talked to people before. They say, well, you know, when I get to heaven or I stand before God, I'm going to ask him why this and why that. No, you're not. You're going to cower down in fear before a thrice holy God, a all-powerful, all-wise God. The Bible says in Revelation 20 that at the end day when he's sitting upon the throne in judgment, that the heaven and the earth will flee away from his gaze. 
That's, that's pretty intimidating when the heaven and earth are running from you. Amen? That's our God. That's how great he is. That's how powerful he is. And Job is going to go down through these verses and talk about his strength compared to God's strength. And it's going to come so far short, it's not even worth comparing. Look at Job chapter 40. Look with me in Job chapter 40. Let's turn here and look and see what Job has to say or what God has to say about Job's strength. Job's asking this question, can I measure up to God? Can I stand before God in a just, innocent, blameless, guiltless position by my own strength? Look at Job 40 and look at verse number, uh, verse number 9. Look at verse 9. Hast thou an arm like God? <laughs> now this is God speaking to Job now. Because you see that in verse number 1. It says, moreover, the Lord answered Job. Job and his friends have been talking the whole book, and finally God speaks up. And this is one of the things he asks. He asks, hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold, everyone that is proud and abase him. You know what he's saying? Do, put on the best that you have. Strengthen yourself as much as you can. And then when you go out, all these proud men. Now, you know what? You know one thing the earth is not lacking in? Proud men. Or women. That includes you ladies. Amen? Mankind is full of pride. And God says, listen, Job... You go out and you humble every one of them. That's what he's telling them to do. Now look at verse number 12. Look on everyone that is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in secret. Then will I confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. You know what he says? Job. Basically what God is saying, he's saying, Job, you do what I'm doing. And then I'll say you can save yourself. Now you know it's a sad thing, brother. There are people, listen, in church, out of church, they are, they are trying to save themselves by their own strength. God says it's not possible. He said, you're going to have to be as strong as me to save you. Because it takes God to save, to save mankind. So we understand from the book of Job, you, you can't be saved by your own strength. Look back in chapter 9. I hope you saved your place there in Job 9. Back in chapter 9, Job starts talking about another aspect Maybe this is a way that a man can be just with God. In verse 11, he says, Lo, he goeth by me, speaking of God, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? You know what he's saying? My perception or my wisdom is not enough to save me. 
I can't match up to God in strength. I can't match up to Him in wisdom. He goes down through these verses and he talks about how God is greater than he is and how God has uh, strength that, that he doesn't have and that God has wisdom that he doesn't have. Look at verse number 20. Look what he says in verse 20. If I, what's that next word? Justify myself. You know what he's saying? If I make myself innocent or myself blameless or myself without guilt, look what he says, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Now the word perverse means turned out of the way. It means you missed the turn. Or you, you maybe you... You purposefully miss the turn. You know what Job is saying? My own strength can't save me. My wisdom can't save me. My righteousness cannot save me. If I would go around justifying myself, and you know what? That's what we tend to do as individuals, don't we? We justify our actions. We, we justify our heart. We, 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 when we sin, we tend to paint it in the best light so that people, it doesn't look too bad in the eyes of others. Now listen, listen, listen very closely right here. You can justify yourself in the eyes of every person that you know and you still are not justified in the eyes of God. You, you could have everybody thinking you're a good person and you're a righteous person. And, and boy, I'm telling you, I know all these people, but that person right there, that's the best person I know. You could have everybody thinking that way. But when it comes down to the end and you're standing in eternity, you're standing before God, you are not going to be justified by your own mouth and you're not going to be justified by someone else's mouth. You're going to have to be justified by God's mouth. That's the only one that matters. Your righteousness is not enough. As a matter of fact, we read in Isaiah that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God. The best that you have, God wouldn't even use. Amen. You say, well, this doesn't paint a very good picture of man. Well, that's because we don't present a very good picture. See, God doesn't fudge things just so we'll feel better. Well, why doesn't he do that? Because that doesn't help us. You go to the doctor and you got a problem, you want that doctor to tell you what the problem is. Right? You don't want him to say, oh, you're in perfect health. Eat, drink, and be merry. Wait a minute, doctor, I seem to remember the end of that is for tomorrow we die. No, you want a doctor that tells you the truth. You want a mechanic that'll tell you the truth, Right? Thank God we have a God who will tell us the truth. And when it comes to our condition and our standing before God, we are not just before God. We're not innocent. We're not guiltless. We're not without blame. We're not without, without uh, sin. Job, you know what Job is saying? I, I have lived a, a, a good life. 
And everybody looks at me and says, Job is a good person, but I can't even stand before God. I'm not even just before God. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not righteous enough. Verse 21, he says, Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul. I would despise my life. You know what he said? I know better than to say that I'm without sin. And everybody else may look at your life and say, boy, if anybody's going to heaven, he's going to heaven. She's going to heaven. You can, you can have a, a, a 1,000 batting average with everyone else, but God knows you've struck out, and you know you've struck out. said it's not by your strength, it's not by your wisdom, it's not by your righteousness. Look what he says in, in verse number 29. He says, if I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? Now watch verse 30. If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, Yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. You know what he says? It's not by my power, it's not by my wisdom, it's not by my righteousness, it's not by my own cleansing. Now here's what most folks today, if you talk to them and you say, if I were to say to you today, have you ever committed sin? Now, if you're, if you're honest, you're going to say, I've committed sin. I've done wrong in the past. But you know what, preacher? From now on, I'm not going to do those things anymore. And surely, because I've, I've stopped those things, and I'm going to start some good things, surely because of that, God will accept me, and I can be just before God. Let me tell you something, even if you did, even if you stopped sinning today and you never committed another sin, what about all those ones you've already committed? See, the fact of the matter is, we could wash ourselves just as much as we could. We could scrub up our lives and we could stop doing the bad stuff and start doing some good stuff and we still would not be just before God. So is it a hopeless preacher? Can, can a man not be just with God? No, you can be. Job is going to introduce us to someone and he's going to do so in a way that it seems that he doesn't even know exactly what he's saying, but he will discover it later on. Look what he says in verse 32. He's answering the, the question of verse 2, how should a man be just with God? And he's continuing this in verse 32. This is what he says. For he is not a man as I am. 
that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. You know what Job has established? God is God and I'm not. He's perfect and I'm not. He's powerful and I'm weak. He's wise and I'm foolish. He's clean and I'm dirty. That's what Job has re realized. He says, he is not a man. He's not like me. He's way up there. And I'm way down here. He said, he's not a man as I am that I should answer him. And that we should come together in judgment. Know what he's saying? There's a gap between him and me. And look at verse 33. He said, neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. So what is that word daysman? Who, what's a daysman? A daysman is an umpire or an arbiter. Here's another word for daysman, a mediator. What is that? That's someone who goes between two parties who are, who are at odds and brings them together. That's what a daysman does. A mediator, an arbiter. He takes two parties that are, uh, that are, uh, that are uh, away from each other and, and they are, there, there's a gap between them. There's, there's a stand over here. And he said, I can't move off of my stand. And there's, a, and there's a group over here. And they can't move from where they are. They need somebody to go between them to bring them together to bridge that gap. Now, here's the fact of the matter. God is holy. We sang it this morning. Holy, holy, holy. You know how they said that three times? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God is three in one. Holy, holy, holy. He is holy all the way through. Here's man. Unholy, unholy, unholy. Unholy spirit, unholy soul, unholy body. We are everything that God is not. And he is everything that we are not. And Job, all the way back before Genesis was even written, Job understands that principle. And he sees that God cannot change who he is. Is that right? And that man cannot change who he is. Impossible in both, in both cases. And so Job, he says, you know what I need? I need somebody who can go between me and God. I need somebody who can bridge the gap between God and man. He said, well, who can do that? Job Surely Job, if anybody was, was in a position to bridge God and man, it would be somebody like Job. Perfect and upright. And Job says, I can't even do it. 
What Job understood is he needed someone to make him just with God. To make him innocent. Now we, there's some babies around here, I'm sure. Usually babies at churches. Little children. When they're born, we look at them, we look at their face, and we say, oh, they're so innocent. Now you know what? They're not. They will lie to you. That precious one back there in the sound booth? Is that a, is that a girl or a boy? Girl. Little girl. She's a liar. <laughs> now, she's a cute little liar. Amen. But she'll lie. You'll, you'll change her diaper and you'll get her fed and she's got everything she needs. And you put her in that crib and you walk out the room and you turn off the light. Ah! And if she could say words, she'd say, somebody's stealing me. I'm in dire need of assistance. You know why? Because we're all born sinners. We got this sin nature. We're born with it. So how could we, who, listen, we're sinners at birth. How could we ever be innocent before God? How could we ever be guiltless before God? How could we ever be without, uh, without uh, fault before God? There's got to be someone to come between. Now, look at Romans chapter 2. We're going to look at a few more scriptures. Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, you say, why is, the, why is there this need between God and man, there's this gap, but why can't God receive man the way he is? Because man is sinful. God has a law, and man has broken that law. In Romans chapter 2, this is what the Bible says. Look at verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So when we're asking the question, how should man be just before God? One thing we're finding out, you can't just talk a good talk. Amen? You can't just have a good Facebook profile and be just before God. Because everybody loves God on Facebook. Right? We all talk a good talk and we want, to be, we want to be perceived as someone that loves God and walks with God and believes in righteousness and all those things. But the fact of the matter is, God said you can talk about the law all that you want to talk and you can even hear the law all that you want to hear the law, but you're not going to be justified just by hearing and talking about it. You've got to do it. Now, you say, okay, well, I'll just keep the law. Only one problem with that. You've already failed. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, look at verse number 10. It says, as it is written, 
There is none righteous. And here's where man argues. There's none righteous. And man starts arguing, and God says, no, not one. No, not one. Not one. Not even Job. Well, I've been in church all my life, preacher. I, I, I know this Bible. I've got perfect attendance. I was baptized. I tithe. I do all of this stuff. Surely, I'm just before God. You are not righteous before God. You have broken the law. He said, there's none righteous. No, not one. Look at verse number 11. He said, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all, all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. And he's going to shoot down your argument again. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Wow, that's very descriptive, isn't it? Not very flattering. He said, with their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. That's, he's, he's just called us a bunch of serpents. A bunch of snakes in the grass. And poisonous ones at that whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This describes mankind in his natural state. And we all line up with these. Every last one of us. Now look what... You say, well, is, is, this, is this hopeless then? Can we not be just before God? Look at verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Well, that's the very opposite of being just before God. Being guilty before God. And he says here, the Lord says, all the world is guilty before me. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Know what he said? If you will do the law, you'll be just. Sounds simple. Here's the problem. Ain't none of us doing it. Now, some have tried to varying degrees. Some will try harder than others. But we all end up in the same spot because we have all failed and we've all broken God's law and we're all guilty before Him. So where does that leave us? Well, let's look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. That's a great word. That word manifested. You know what that means? You can see it. You know what he says? There is a light at the end of the tunnel. 
There's darkness all around. We're all guilty before God. We've all sinned. We can't be just before God. We'll never, we'll, in our own strength, we'll never be strong enough, wise enough, righteous enough, clean enough. But yet, I see there's some light there. Because the righteousness of God is made known without the law. How is that possible? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. You say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that God just threw the law out the, out the window and said, well, okay, I'll just let you in. I know you broke the law, but come on in. No, 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 no. Then God's no longer holy. And heaven's no longer heaven. Come on, there's been a lot of people trying to create heaven on earth and it all failed. Every experiment failed. You know why? Sinful man. Wherever sin gets in, problems get in. And so if God allowed sin in heaven, heaven wouldn't be heaven. So God doesn't throw the law away in order for us to be just before God. And yet it says that we, are, we have right, the righteousness of God without the law. How is that possible? Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by what? Faith. Say it again. By faith of Jesus Christ unto all. Boy, I like that. And upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we, we're all sinners, but God has made the way to be just, to be righteous, to be saved. He's made that available to all. How? Verse 24, being justified. That's what we're looking for. Job says, how can a man be just before God? We can be justified freely, by His grace. You know, you know what we have to understand? There is no way possible that we could ever earn salvation, that we could ever earn heaven, that we could ever be good enough for heaven. But God opened a way for us to be in heaven by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what grace is? It's a free gift. It's God's favor upon the undeserving. I'm one of those undeserving. You know what a lot of people's problem is? They won't get saved because they won't admit that they're a sinner. Some people think, well, I'm too great of a sinner. Well, if you're a sinner, that means you qualify. You ever been denied something? You know, maybe a credit card that you didn't need? or a car payment that you really didn't need, and you fill out the application, and you're sitting there, and, and the whole time, you're sweating bullets. Isn't it crazy? You're sitting there like you're on trial, like, you know, they're going to throw you in jail for something. Oh, man, am I going to be approved or not approved? And it comes back, denied. Why? Well, your credit's not good enough. But then... Maybe you had somebody come alongside, say, hey, listen, I'll sign for you. I had that happen once, amen? I don't think they regretted it. I don't know. <laughs> and then they approved you, not based upon your credit, 
but based upon the other's credit. And you drove the car away based on the good grace of someone else. You know what? Listen, when we got saved, the way we stand just before God is not because God looked down on us and said, oh boy, look at Phil Wood. He is being really good. He's trying really hard. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him into heaven. That's not how it happened. He, looked down, he didn't look down. Oh, look at Justin Brock. That's a fine man. I'm going to let him in because he's trying so hard and he's doing so well. It didn't happen that way. When we by faith called upon the Lord Jesus Christ and we trusted what Jesus did, God looked down and he didn't see Phil Wood or Justin Brock or Mark Friend. He saw Jesus Christ, his son. And we get into heaven. We are just before God on the righteousness and on the credit and on the merit of someone else. Not us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Aren't you thankful? Job said, how can a man be just with God? Not by his own wisdom or strength, or, but by the Lord Jesus Christ, the daysman, the mediator. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, here's the question. Have you ever, by faith, received the gift of God's righteousness? If you were to die right now and you stood before God, would you be just before Him? Or would He say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, I was looking a few months back at that, brother, pastor. And he said, he called the, the people who preached in his name and who did many wonderful works in his name, he called them workers of iniquity. Oh, look at me, preacher, look what I do. Look what I've done for you, God. Look, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this. And you know what the Lord says? You know what he sees? Filthy rags. You can dress it up with religion, but it's still not going to work. Going to church doesn't get you into heaven. I'm glad you're in church. I hope you come back tomorrow night. But if you come back, if you came to every revival meeting that there ever was, and you tithed off of every dollar that you had. And you got baptized. You did all the stuff that you're supposed to do. And you never received Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. You're going to go to the same hell that Adolf Hitler is in right now. Same one. Because it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Nobody's going to go in heaven and say, boy, I made it. 
You know, I'm, I'm here because of what I've done, and you all knew I'd be here because of what I... Nobody's in heaven like that. Nobody's saying that in heaven. We're all just sinners saved by the wonderful grace of our God. And if you're here this morning, you're not saved, it's the best thing ever. Best thing ever. How can I be right with God? How can I be just with God? Just one answer, Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, for the truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray if there's just one soul here that is not just before you, that is, they've never personally trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. They can walk out of this place having the peace of God in their heart, that they know they're accepted, not because of their own goods, good works or righteousness, but they're accepted because of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would draw that soul, save them. Help them to, by faith, freely receive the grace that's found in Christ. Father, as believers, I pray that we would get a grasp and an understanding of just how blessed we are. Lord, as, as being recipients of the free grace of God, Lord, I pray that we would do our best to bring others to this saving knowledge, this wonderful family we call the family of God, to bring them in so they can have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Our Father, bless the invitation time. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's remain standing and get somebody at the piano that can play. Pastor is coming. He's here. You just be obedient to the, the Spirit of God. Listen, maybe you're here, you're saved. You say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. What about your loved ones? Are they saved? Can I encourage you? Pray for them. Don't try to impress them with how good you are. Just love them. Try, to, try your best to live before them a life that honors God and pray for them. You got lost loved ones? Pray for them. You're here today, listen. You're here today. You say, preacher, I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm going to heaven when I die. If, if, if I died right now, I don't have the assurance that heaven's my home. No one's looking around. You just slip your hand up and say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Now listen, don't be ashamed. Every person that's saved in this building had to come to a point where you're at right now and realize, hey, I'm not saved, but I need to be saved. Anyone here today, just slip your hand up. You obey the Spirit of God as He speaks to your heart. Did, did God speak through your heart this morning? There's only one right way to respond. Did God speak to your heart? Did He point out anything in your life? Any changes you need to make?
All his favor to you is good. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to, for you to know how much he loves you. And the very things that we hold on to in place of God are the very things that keep us from experiencing how good God is and how much he really does love us. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you come down? Come down to the altar, pray and ask the Lord, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Show me how good you are. Is there any sin in my life? Get it right. Maybe there's somebody here. You know you're not saved. You know it. God spoke to your heart about that. It doesn't matter how many people think you're saved. It doesn't matter. We all have to get saved. There was a time where uh, people thought I was saved, but I wasn't. I, I, Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're not saved. I said, God, you're telling me I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I got to get saved. If God spoke to your heart about salvation, don't excuse it away. It's God telling you you're not saved. And let him tell you now you are saved. Come down. The altar's open. We're not closing it. Maybe there's somebody in here that is struggling with some things and refuses or don't know how. You don't know how to get out of the pit you're in, the pit of sin. It's taking grip on you. Oh, is the blood of Christ powerful enough to help you with that? Yes, it is. May all of us in this room claim one thing. But we've been washed by the blood of Christ. May all of us in this room claim one thing, that none of us are worthy to stand in his presence. We are unclean, unholy, and there is only one worthy of all praise, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. If he spoke to your heart, would you at least be courteous enough to respond and say, Lord, I hear your voice. What do you want with me? Come down to the altar. And respond to the Lord. We would call it rude if I said hello to you and you just shrugged your shoulder and didn't say hello back. We say that was rude. And here we have the God of heaven trying to speak to many people, speak to hearts. And we could just shrug God away and say, Lord, not right now. Not right now. I'm too busy for you. I got other things going on more important than you. I don't want to deal with this right now. But then you have those who say, woe am I. Lord, here I am. Whatever you will, I'm here. Whatever's in between us, I'll get right. Do business with God. One thing I like about our church is that what you see is what you get. Amen? Who we are is who we are. We got sinners in the church? Yeah, every one of us. Amen? Well, you got sinners trying to get things right, trying to press forward for the Lord. Amen? And God's using this bunch of sinners. God's using this church and gathered us together and made something nice of us, huh? 
seeing thing, some things done, seeing God do great work. And he chose the bassist and is lifting us up to show how good he really is. Amen. I'd like to thank uh, Brother Thren for that message. Amen. Everybody give him a hand. And when you give the word of God, it's, uh, it takes a lot to be sensitive to how the Lord is leading. And I believe the Lord was leading today, uh, number one, salvation, of course, but for all of us to know that there is no one worthy, but only one, and that's that mediator. He's the only one. And may we live our lives like that and examine ourselves through this revival. If there's anything in between us and Christ... Are you willing to lay it aside? As Brother Rob read those verses, lay aside every weight. Can a weight be bad? It says weight and sin. That weight might not be sin. That weight, the weight may be good things, but if it's keeping you from Christ, it becomes bad. Are you willing to lay aside the weights and the sins? The weights Whatever is keeping you from walking with the Lord further, are you willing to lay that down? To drop the nets and follow Christ? And then, are there sins? Either one or both. We all need to have that spirit. Lord, whatever it is, I'm willing to drop it and follow you. And he says, amen. Come, I'll receive you. Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Well, the food has just got done. How about that? Amen. Uh, we have a great fellowship downstairs. Uh, please, if you're able to, stay and join us. Uh, and I'm going to ask a blessing on the food downstairs. Thank you, everybody who uh, cooked and participated in the fellowship. There will be a fellowship uh, also tomorrow night and Tuesday night. So please come on out uh, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Tuesday at 7 you will gain extra points if, if you bring a visitor. Amen. Amen. Where those points go to, I have no idea, but praise God, you will get them. Uh, thank God. Amen. Let's ask, amen, points in heaven. Uh, let's ask God's blessing on the food and uh, pray for this meal. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your word. There is nothing, Lord, like your word. There's nothing that can reach my heart like your word. Lord, there are things in this world, books and movies and man's words that, Lord, they stir up our emotions, but there is nothing like your word. Lord, it pierces the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. We thank you, Lord, for caring enough that you're willing to deal with our hearts and gather us together so that we can have fellowship with you. Thank you for being so loving, and tender, Lord, long-suffering. Lord, we thank you for uh, the food downstairs. There's nothing like the fellowship of the believers. Lord, the food tastes a lot better when you're sharing it with somebody, Lord, of like precious faith, one mind, one heart, one body. I pray, Lord, you'll bless the food and those who prepared it. Thank you for providing it. Lord, thank you for the Thren family being with us at our church. Pray you bless them as well. Thank you for everybody here. Thank you for our visitor. Pray you bless him 
And Lord, uh, anybody else coming, Lord, this revival, bring them out. And may people get saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, you can go downstairs if you're staying for the food. Please join us. There's plenty. Come on downstairs and we'll arrange the seats.